Oh, good morning, everybody. Hey, good morning. Happy Sunday to you all. Just a reminder that we're going to be celebrating uh, communion uh, at the end of this uh, message. So if you haven't already, just encourage you to grab some elements out of your kitchen uh, to serve as the uh, communion elements mm. so you can participate with us. And uh, so we're going to be sharing a story. We just heard it read, and uh, it's a story that Jesus told. And we love stories. (laughs) We love to tell stories. We love uh, hearing stories. Um, I was sharing with Rick earlier that uh, a couple of years ago, here in the worship space, a guy came up to me after the service. I kind of recognized him, couldn't place the face, and he reminded me that I knew him from my days in Haddonfield when I was the associate pastor there. And he said, Jeff, I remember the first time I heard you preach, you told a story about you and Marilyn uh, hiking up Mount Washington. And he went on and he recounted all of these various details of that story. And the point that I was making in that message, it warms a pastor's heart to, uh, to hear that somebody remembers something that you said. But it also points out the power of a story. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, one of the things I miss about all of us being gathered together in worship is when we tell those stories is afterward in the lobby, we get to retell that story, but also get to hear other people's stories as well. And hear, and, and also, and we love when it's connected to the point. Yeah, That's absolutely. always our favorite part as <laughs> preachers. And so Jesus was a master storyteller, which, yes. uh, uh, which we all know. We, we retell his stories over and over and over again. Uh, his stories were vivid and memorable and profound. And and, uh, as a matter of fact, for 2,000 years, uh, we are still retelling those stories, like story of the lost sheep and uh, the story of the prodigal son or or the Good Samaritan story. These are all stories that we love to tell, but we also love to hear because they're so filled with such profound truth and such great opportunity uh, for us to learn and grow in our faith. And so Jesus is going to tell this story that we're going to uh, read together as a warning to religious people. And really, if you were to summarize the story, what he's saying is that how we view ourselves impacts the way we live life. It impacts the, our interactions with other, others, and it even uh, impacts how we relate to God. And so Luke begins by giving us some context. So Luke recorded this story, and we're going to read it on the screen. It's from Luke chapter uh, uh, 18, verse 9. And Luke says that he told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves. They were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance, and they looked down their noses at the common people. Mm. Uh, you know, this is a story really of pride versus humility, uh, and, we're, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. But really, as we were thinking about pride, when we see pride in ourselves, it just seems so ugly. It seems so, so awful. And, and, and we see it in others, of course. It's much easier for us to notice it in others than it is ourselves. But humility is attractive, right? It's one of those things that, that we're drawn towards people who live these humble lives and have humble lifestyle. Uh, pride is me-centered, right? It's all about my agenda and my ideas and me, me, me. While humility is other-centered and we do our best to, uh, when we're living this humble lifestyle of, of how, can we, how can we put others in the spotlight and bring others to the front and center. And also pride is, is blind to my shortcomings, to the areas that I... Uh, of fault and so forth. It's totally blind to that. Whereas humility is clear-eyed about both those areas where I fall short as well as my strength. Pride is graceless. Mm. Pride is judgmental. It's arrogant. Whereas humility is full of grace. It is amazed by God's grace and embraces God's grace. 
and also seeks to offer grace to others as well. And so before we read again this story about pride and humility, just some background to what's happening here in the story. And Jesus is telling, talks about a Pharisee, and Pharisees were those who, were, who had dedicated themselves to following God's rules. And we talked about Pharisees often, and they centered their lives around living a pious life. They centered their lives around uh, this legalistic living, and they would attack anyone who didn't follow the same way of living. So while many people thought of them as holy and thought of them as deeply religious, Jesus criticized them for their spiritual pride. He accused them of outwardly looking righteous, but inwardly their hearts were filled with hypocrisy. So knowing all of that, let's now uh, read that story. It's going to be up on the screen again. It's from Luke chapter 18, and it's verses 10 through 12. So two men went to the temple to pray. This is Jesus talking. And he says, one of them was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Mm -hmm. Now the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. What a great way to start a prayer, right? <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Mm -hmm. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Yeah, love this guy, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, oh yeah, great. He's a great guy, right? Great prayer. So, just to get an idea of how stunning this must have sounded to the people who were hearing it for the first time, Jesus is is casting the Pharisee as kind of the villain in this story and a tax collector as the good guy, if you will. It, it would be, Rick, as if uh, we told a story using, say, Rick Warren and Bernie Madoff. Rick Warren, you may recall, he's a great Christian leader, pastor. He wrote the best-selling book, A Purpose-Driven Life. And Bernie Madoff, of course, was this villain who ripped off uh, people through this giant Ponzi scheme. People lost billions. They lost their life savings and so forth. And I were to tell the story... And Rick Warren was the arrogant guy who was judgmental and so forth, and Bernie Madoff was this godly man. It was, it's that kind yeah. of shocking Shock. thing that uh, Jesus was telling here. So he talks about the Pharisee. The Pharisee goes into the temple to pray. Mm. And what does he say? He says, God, I am so glad I'm not a bad person. Yeah. I, I don't do these bad things. I don't steal. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a sinner. And then he talks about the good things that he does. God, I, I fast twice a week. Twice I a week. really only have to do once, but I do twice. I give up meals, six meals a week for you, God. Man, mm. you must be impressed. And I give a tenth of all right. of my income to you. A tenth. You know what I could do with a tenth more income, God? Yeah. I could do some really good. But I give it to you, God, because, you know, I'm just that kind of guy. I'm a good guy. So he goes in to pray, but what's he really doing? He's giving God his resume. He's offering God, these are the good things that I do, God. This is what makes me sp so spectacular. And he looks over to the side and he sees this tax collector and says, and by the way, thank, thank you that I'm not like that guy. I'm so much better than him. So he goes in uh, it, it, to worship, but really what he ends up doing is he's focused on himself. His prayer is directed to God, but it's really about himself. Yes, if he's praying in front of a mirror. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, and so some Pharisees believe that so if they could get 
the whole nation to follow God's laws, then the Messiah would come. And so this really was their primary motivation for their legalistic behaviors and rules. And so they would scold people, they would shame them, they would add new rules that were even stricter than God's laws. And as a result, there was this whole group of people who stopped even trying. They, they knew that if they could never meet the Pharisees' standards, so why even bother? And in the Bible, this, this group of people are also called sinners. Now, among those who would be called sinners, the tax collectors were the worst offenders uh, in first century culture because a tax collector has, had not only abandoned their relationship with God, but they had also chosen to abandon their heritage, uh, the, the nation of Israel, because they were now placing their allegiance with Rome. They were collecting tax from their own people, and they were giving it to the Roman government. And so we're going to continue Jesus' story, but now we're going to look at how the tax collector responded in his prayer. And so again, it's up on the screen. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. The tax collector chose to reflect on who he was. I mean, I mean, he demonstrated this humility and honesty about his life. He didn't try to defend his actions. He didn't suggest a list of good actions to justify his life like the Pharisee did. And he certainly didn't compare himself to anyone else who might be there. You know, in this world where pride and arrogance are admired in this first century world, and even honestly in our 21st century world where pride and arrogance oftentimes are admired, and humility is seen as a weakness. Jesus tells this story, showing humility leads to this right relationship with God and humanity. Yeah. You know, there's, the fact is, you can't be good enough to mm. live up to God's standard. No matter how good we may think that we are, no matter how we try to justify ourselves, we always fall short of God's perfect standard for the nature of righteousness. And it's prideful to say that, well, I'm a good person and I do these good things and so forth. That's a Pharisee mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. What God calls of us, what God is reminding us is that we do fall short. And no matter how good we may think we are, no matter how good we seek to perform, we're always going to fall short. And humility recognizes that mm -hmm. and recognizes that we are in need of a Savior we're in need of someone, something greater than ourselves that can bring us to that level of God's righteousness. And that's the nature of what Jesus did. He became our Savior for us. And uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this in uh, Romans when he said that um, God showed his great love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, yeah, you know, as we were preparing this message and we knew that we were going to celebrate communion together uh, at the end of the, of the service, uh, yeah. we immediately got talking about that night uh, uh, when Jesus was betrayed, that they were uh, preparing a meal, they were going to have a meal to celebrate Passover together, and Judas uh, was part of the, the group that was present yeah, that night, yeah. that he had already uh, agreed to betray Jesus, and really that was a, he was motivated by pride. He, he had agreed to betray Jesus and had already put a plan into motion. But yet Judas was welcomed at the table. He was invited by Jesus to participate 
in the meal. Jesus even washed his feet before yeah, the meal amazing. began. And, and as you read through that story of, uh, uh, of Jesus' sacrifice that night, it's a story filled with humility and pride converge, converging on one another. And it really is just this, this demonstration of how humility leads to right relationship with God. Yeah. So we're going to take a, a few moments right now and, uh, and pray. You know, as we prepare our uh, hearts for receiving communion, it's an opportunity for you to do some business with God, to recognize mm -hmm. those areas in your life where you may have fallen short uh, this week or over the past uh, several days, and to confess those things to God, to, in humility, uh, let God know those things and allow God to work in your heart to bring forgiveness. And uh, so we're going to just pray. I'm going to leave a few moments for you to do some uh, quiet business, and, uh, and then I'll close this out. So let's pray. So, Lord, like that tax collector, we acknowledge that we have fallen short, maybe, of, maybe in words, it may be in deeds, it may be in attitudes or thoughts, maybe things that we should have done that we didn't do, or things that we did that we should not have done. Forgive us. Make us new. Create in us, God, a pure heart and a steadfast spirit that we might continue the process of being conformed to the image of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. For we ask it in his name.